So Pastor Tim is out of town, and he is dragging his trailer um, around the countryside and having an absolute blast. Um, I talked to him either yesterday and the day before, and he was having the time of his life. And his biggest, the biggest you know, hurdle he ran into is he said, on Wednesday night, I knew you were having a baptism service. And he said, it was killing me not to come. Like, it was killing me not to come to church because he's supposed to be taking some time off. And I said, why didn't you come? He's like, well, the board had told me to take time off, and I didn't know if you guys would let me. And I'm like, what? You're my boss. You could do whatever you want. Like, you know, like, don't think that I'm making these, these rules. But, um, you know, he obviously, even being out of town for a week, he loves you guys, cares about you. So hello from Pastor Tim and Kathy. They'll be gone for a few weeks. And this morning, we have Pastor Glenn, one of our staff pastors, um, who's going to be sharing the word. Yeah, give him a hand. I love this guy, and I, I care about him. He's, uh, he's a hard worker, and he's a, a great guy to have in the office. He is a deadly nerve shot. This guy is like, his, his, military training, training. his military training even works with nerf guns. But can we pray for Pastor Glenn real quick? So God, we just praise you, and we thank you for this morning. God, we thank you for the word that you've put in Pastor Glenn's heart. God, we know that it's timely. And um, I just pray that you would give us ears to hear, God, that our hearts and minds would be open to what you would speak to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's all yours, buddy. Thank you. Good morning, Calvary. And everybody out on Facebook, welcome. It's an honor to stand behind this pulpit today. I'm going to talk about Daniel 6, Daniel in the lion's den. About four months ago, I felt like the Lord was really pressing me hard to study Daniel. And I'd kind of gloss over it a few times but I'd never really read it closely. And I read all through 12 chapters and studied it very closely, and it blessed me. And then we had a staff meeting a couple months later about scheduling for the sermons, and I walked in a little bit late, and I'm like, oh, there's Daniel. Can I do Daniel? And Pastor Jeff and Pastor Nick said, well, yeah, your wife's a Lions fan. <laughs> That's why we saved it for you. I'm like, not because I was studying it? And as I read and studied through Daniel... I'm a, big, I'm a big King David guy. I love King David. I mean, it speaks to me that David was a man after God's own heart, and that's what I try to be. But David made mistakes, so many mistakes. He repented. He had to suffer consequences, but he's always chasing after God. It gives me peace in my heart when I make mistakes that God will still accept me. But as I'm reading through Daniel, right at the same time, Pastor, John, uh, Pastor Jeff's brother, Pastor John, came. He was a pastor from uh, California who knows about prosecution or persecution of the church. He preached a sermon here, and he said something that blew me up as I'm studying Daniel. He said, sometimes you need to read the Bible as a victim, not a hero. Well, that changed everything. I'm kind of trying to see me in Daniel, but I can't because the bar's too high. Because unlike David, Daniel is almost fault-free. The guy never makes any mistakes. So as I'm reading through this, it says, God calls Daniel highly esteemed, and very precious to God. Wow. So before I start into Daniel 6, the lion's den, I want to paint a little picture of who Daniel is so we can understand it. So from chapter 1, Daniel is about a 15-year-old Jewish youth in Judah. And Judah is being disobedient to the Lord by worshiping idols and uh, not following his decrees. So it's given over to King Nebuchadnezzar, a Babylonian king, and he plunders Judah. He takes all the young, bright, smartest guys, and he takes treasures from the, the Lord's temple, and he plunders Judah and brings it back to Babylonia. 
What he's going to do is train these young men for three years to be a Babylonian. He changes their names. You might know these, these guys are, uh, there's uh, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, which are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then Daniel's given a new name of Belteshazzar. Well, they don't seem to mind their new names because they know who they are. And they don't mind being trained as Babylonians because they know what they believe. But when it comes to the point of they're given uh, meat and wine off the king's table that are offered up to gods, Daniel says he purposes in his heart not to defile himself. I won't do this. And God gives him favor in the midst of this with a, with a eunuch that offers them food. So he makes a deal for 10 days to eat uh, vegetables and water. And at the end of 10 days, they look just as good as the other guys eating the, the meat and the wine. So for three years, they're on a Daniel fast of vegetables and water. And at the end of three years, King Nebuchadnezzar checks them out, and he tests all of them. And they actually are ten times, these four young men are ten times better than anybody in the kingdom, even the enchanters and the magicians, which is awesome. So from that point on, Daniel's about 18 years old, and he goes into service in the king's court as a dream interpreter and administrator. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. Get this. Daniel is a Jewish youth in Babylonia, a pagan culture for 70 years. At this point of the story where we start off in Daniel 6, he's 85 years old. And I didn't realize that until I studied this a little bit. So let's go into verse 1. I'll read a couple verses here. I've got a lot of scripture to read, so bear with me. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. These are administrators over the 120 provinces to be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them three high officials of whom Daniel was one, these are basically a viceroy. A viceroy is somebody in charge who has all the authority of the king, but he's not the king. But he has every piece of authority or every word that he, he, that he has from a king. So that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault, fault-free. Because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. And as I started reading through this, it became a character study of three different comparisons. I'll call this the good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Daniel, of course, is the good, having an, an, having an upholding an excellent or extraordinary spirit, despite the surroundings of living and working in a hostile work environment, and a, and a living environment also. Of course, the bad are the satraps and the governors, which is pretty obvious because they're trying to bury Daniel by bearing false witness against him. And then we have the ugly, King Darius, who at first, at first appears to be a wise leader by his delegation of leadership over the Persian Mede Empire. And then as I read through this, it doesn't say how long this happened, but can you imagine like 122 people looking into every affair of your life, seeing if they can find something wrong? For an, we don't even know, it might have, even, might have even been a year. Looked into your business dealings, your relationships, your home life, your worship habits, over 100 and some people looking into it. I don't know if I could pass that test. Does any, did anybody here know the Pastor Tony Evans? Have you ever heard of him? He's a great pastor. I read a story that he uh, was going through seminary and he 
uh, got a job at a Greyhound bus depot, the graveyard shift, working at night, loading and unloading buses. And after a couple days on the job, a few people approached him and said, These are, this is kind of how things work around here. What we do is uh, we cover for each other, we sleep on the job, we punch each other out. And he said, uh, I can't do that. I, I serve a God who won't allow me to do those things. Well, from that point on, he was persecuted. Nobody would help him load or unload a bus. Usually threw his lunch away or messed with it. And this went on for like six months. Finally, one day, he got a call from the general manager. He wanted to see him in his office. He figured he was going to get fired. When he sat down, he said, uh, the manager said, we've been watching what's going on for a couple months, and we see that you're not a part of it. We fired the entire shift and made you the manager, and we're going to double your pay. So it's awesome when that happens, but sometimes it might take a couple years for that to happen too, but that's a good indicator. (laughs) We don't want that to happen. All right, we're going to go to verse 6. Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. I'm going to butter him up. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance. Wait, Daniel's not there. That's not everybody. And enforce an injunction that whoever makes petition or prays to any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. There's a strong incentive. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Probably couldn't wait to sign that one. You're going to worship me for 30 days? That's awesome. 122 of these people against Daniel. And they're all in this corrupt conspiracy. How did Darius miss this? How did he miss all these guys? And they always say wise counsel, a multitude of counselors. Pride. He knew, he knew better than to have this. And actually, when he signed this decree, it is, being he is a deity, it is unchangeable. Not even he can unchange it. I want to talk a moment. A moment. You probably, many of you have probably heard the, the Jezebel spirit. It can manifest itself in a man or woman, and it tries to control the leader for an outcome best suited to themselves or sometimes even to be destructive through ministries, through people. I mean, many of you have probably seen this happen before. The bad part about it is it takes two to tango. It takes a leader who who's, can bow to this or not pay attention to it, and it can be very destructive. It can manipulate through flattery, blackmail, seduction, gifts, deception, deception or deceit. And this is from a story in 1 Kings 16 through 22. There's an evil king, Ahab, and his wife, Jezebel, who worships Baal. And she wants to stamp out all Christianity and the worship of the God of Israel. So she kills all these prophets. She comes to a terrible end. These satraps and governors are a perfect example of this. And it's something we need to watch for in our lives and watch for it in ourselves. Sadly, this spirit will stop at nothing to get their way and will leave a path of destruction in their wake, often destroying themselves in the very process. Many of us have probably seen this before. And we'll go to verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks to his God, as he had done previously. Then these men who came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and praying and plead before his God. They got him. They worked it out. They couldn't get him. Oh, sorry. They couldn't get him fair and square, so they had to go and be deceitful. The thing about it is, I thought about this myself. 
you know, this decree is only 30 days. 30 days is not that bad. Could I do it? Could I not read the Bible and pray for 30 days? Could I maybe do it in private somewhere where people wouldn't see me? Daniel does it like he always does it. He opens the chambers of his bedroom so he can be seen. He has no fear. He trusts in his God. 30 days. Would we make that choice? Consider the fact of actually being faced with maybe being thrown in a furnace or being thrown in a den of lions. How strong would we be? Let's go to verse 12. Then they came near and said before the king, Concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition or prays to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, This thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked even by himself. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or the injunction that you have signed, and makes his petition and prayer three times a day. He continues on. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. Now he realized what he did. He didn't stand up for his friend. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, they were going to remind him, Know, O king, that this is a law of the Medes and the Persians, that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. You know, as I read this story more and more, the bar of Daniel is raised so high that I can't reach it. But as I look at this story, I find myself in the past, and sometimes even close, sometimes even today, where I'm more like Darius or these satraps and governors. It allows me to thank God for for dragging me out of that and giving me realization that I could fall into this trap so easily. Verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The The king declared to Daniel, May your God whom you serve continuously deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lord's, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Oh, he must have had a rough night. (laughs) No sleep, no harp playing, no food. And Daniel's thrown into a den of lions. I wonder what it felt like to be thrown into that darkness. And as the seconds ticked by, hearing those claws clatter on that concrete floor, waiting to be eaten alive, and the seconds went into minutes, and the final realization that he'd been spared. I wonder who had a better night's sleep. (laughs) Snuggled in between a couple lions or sleeping on a hard bed. (laughs) All right, verse 19. And here our story starts to turn around. Then at daybreak, the king arose and went in haste to the den of the lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, was, uh, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, long uh, 
Live forever. I wonder if he was being sarcastic. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, king. O king, I have done no harm. Now before he went in, it doesn't look like he said anything. Like our Lord, he was quiet before his accusers. But the lions were the deciding factor on who was telling the truth. It was cut and dried. I want to state an important distinction here. Daniel was not spared from the lion's den. He was spared in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they weren't spared from the furnace. They were spared in the furnace. That part of the story really blew me up. Do we trust God to be there in the midst of our trial as we walk it through to its conclusion? Tough. Verse 23. It turns sad for some other people here. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that, Darius, that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him, not a scratch, because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded, and these men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And before they reached the bottom of the, of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones to pieces. That's terrible. It's sad that these men's families had to pay for these men's sins. This story reminds me of Joshua 7. There's a story of Achan who was plundering treasures and he was hiding it under his tent and was found out that this, he was doing this. He, his family, and all his possessions were completely destroyed. It's very sad, but this is a sobering reminder of what awaits those who operate outside of God's grace and mercy. When I was a kid, I always asked my dad silly questions. My dad was a pragmatist. And I asked him one time, I said, hey, dad, all my friends have rabbit foots. Can I have one? He's like, what do you want a rabbit's foot for? I said, because it brings you luck. He said, well, it wasn't too lucky for the rabbit. (laughs) And I never got one. (laughs) One time I asked him, I said, uh, this is a really, I was like, I got to know this question. Dad, what's the worst way to die? And he said, it doesn't matter. I said, it doesn't matter, like drowning or burning up in a fire? And he said, it doesn't matter because you you can't look back and go, man, that hurt. (laughs) And that's what I thought about these people being eaten by lions. It's horrible. But after they've died and they're separated from God, can they look back and say, I wish I'd accepted Christ before those lions? I thought about that. I thought we should always pray for a heart for people that are lost. 25. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree. Oh, he's going to make another decree that's unchangeable. Check this one out. I love this decree. And in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian, four kings and over 70 years in Babylon, faithful to his God through persecution. The real takeaway right here is Daniel's faith and trust in the Lord impacted first a king and then a kingdom. I looked up the, Med- the Median Persian Empire during this time, which is about 520 B.C. 
before Christ. There's anywhere from 17 to 35 million people during this time. One man impacted 17 to 35 million people and let them know there's a God of Israel. Is that amazing? I wish I could have that impact. (laughs) Darius made a decree and Daniel stood courageous against it to show his faith to God was unwavering. And then through his testimony, another decree was signed and gave God recognition and praise by a pagan empire. That's amazing. Question I ask today, how many, will tur- how many will turn to or be receptive to salvation by how you live your life, how you treat others, your worship and Bible study habits, your business and work decisions? Darius obviously saw that Daniel had an excellent spirit. And there are probably many people watching you, not to gloat over your failures, but because that, that tug on their heart, that hole that nothing, that nothing can fill, They want to believe that it's a real God and they want to see it through you. They want you to stand strong in your convictions toward the Lord. St. Francis of Assisi said, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. I love that. Three takeaways. People are always watching. We need to show Christ by how we live. Our daily time alone with God. We talked about this in membership class last week. Try to get a devotional, study the Bible, pray, pray for God to show you something every time that quickens your spirit. Every time I read the Bible, I'm like, Lord, show me something new. Get me excited about this. And he never fails. If you're a nighttime or a morning person, pick a good time and study God's word and get to know who he is as, as a God and as a person. He loves us so much. Be intentional about prayer and Bible study time. Number three, standing, uh, standing up under criticism or accusations. Daniel shows our strength and salvation comes from the Lord. Remember I said at the beginning of this that God, is, God saw Daniel as highly esteemed and very precious. And sometimes we think, well, because he was such a great guy. I mean, he was almost perfect. He was fault-free. It's not the case. God loves us right where we are. He loves us who, for who we are. This is from Isaiah 43, uh, 43, 4. This is for you. This is what God says to you. You are precious in my sight. You are honored and I love you. Calvary, I love you. Thank you so much. Let me pray real, real quick. Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your word and your church, your will and your way in our lives, Lord. Help us to uphold your decrees and and look towards you, Lord Jesus, to be more like your son as the Holy Spirit helps us to be effective in ministry, Lord. Give us a heart for the loss. Remove our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh so our heart breaks for those that are lost, Lord Jesus. Set eternity in our hearts, Lord. Lord Jesus, we praise you and we worship you in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, even in my, my 41 years, it's not very many. You know, sometimes I, I like to think I'm experienced. You know, those who live at my house, I talk about being 41 all the time because, you know, 41 was obviously the pinnacle of, you know, wisdom and life experience. Yeah, I got to claim it sometime. Um, 
I remember where it was easier to be a Christian in my lifetime. Where, yeah, there'd be a little bit of joking made fun of from maybe like the hard kids, right? You know, the tough kids that, you know, the, back when uh, marijuana was still illegal. You know, geez, well, I mean, our world has changed so much. And you're like, hey, you can't do that. And they're like, hey, listen here, Christian kid, you know. So you'd get a little bit, but um, things are changing in our world and in our nation. And um, posting Facebook quips and just like that's done, the reality is is that the decision to stand and whether your life will be blessed or not is in God's hands. You think about Daniel and you think about the world we're in and all these people looking to undermine him and, you know, dig a hole underneath him that he'd fallen. And God just decides in the midst of that that he's going to continue to promote and bless Daniel. Are we on that page this morning? Because we love, we love the stories where, you know, Moses' back is up against the sea and he's stuck and we're like, yes, I love this part while, you know, watching it from our couch, you know. And feeling like we've avoided disaster because we, we forwarded the chain mail onto the next guy on Facebook. The reality is, is that to see God's hand move and to be obedient, there's times where you'll end up in precarious situations. And it's not going to be cheap. And I'm just asking the church as a whole this morning. Um, we're making a commitment. We've made a commitment during, during this season and pressure from the government to close that we're going to take our stand and we're not going to close the windows. We're going to do it publicly. And not in a way that we're, we're obnoxious or, or um, we're obstinate. But if God has called us to do something, we're going to stand. Because ultimately, when you see in this story, um, we have a man who has been promoted because of his righteous stand before God, breaking an unrighteous rule. And um, I just wanted to ask you guys, are you guys willing to stand? during this season as things keep getting harder, as things keep getting difficult. I don't know what the future holds, but I'll tell you, if you set your face and you set your mind that says, no matter what happens, I'm going to stand for Christ, then you can't lose. Would you stand with me? God, I just pray a blessing over every single person who is here. God, and I pray in the moments, Lord, where our hearts feel torn of where we want to be in a place of peace, God, where we don't want to disobey or be obstinate, God. The world is calling us to abandon you. They're calling us to, to do what feels good. They're calling us to abandon what's right. Um, they're calling to us to abandon the identity that you've given us and to take on whatever we feel like, God. And I pray over this room, God, that there would be men and women who are filled with your spirit, who are devout and refuse to bend in the face of persecution. God, I pray that your blessing would remain on them. I pray that every time there are those who would want to undermine what you're doing in, your, in their life, God, that you would continue to bless them and give them courage. Jesus, you are worth it. You are worth being made fun of. You are worth being persecuted. God, whatever it is, Jesus, we've made up our minds that we are not going to bow to the pressures that would cause us to abandon you and your word. In the name of Jesus, amen.